Hello and welcome to the Top Show, now available on Google Podcasts, YouTube, iTunes and all the other places. I'm Adder and each week I'll be joined by Jack. I thought you were going to call me Jack. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I think from now on I might do. Um, and yeah, we've got a great show for you today. We're talking Prince Harry, who's disappearing off to Canada. Oh, uh, the tensions Canada. between Iran and the US. Boom. And Extinction Rebellion, placed on an extremism list. Mm-hmm. So, here's the Intro. Intro. All right, so yeah, first up, Prince Harry and Meghan. The internet seems to have gone crazy over this. Um, do you think they're going to leave? Do you think them leaving is going to leave like uh, like spots that need to be filled? Do you think now is the time to be applying <laughs> to be a royal because they'll have two empty roles in the royal family? Well, I don't know. Part part of the reason I think that they're leaving is I think Harry's fifth in line now after Will, this is Will, and then I don't know if. I'm not sure if his wife comes <laughs> next, but then he's got three kids. And so, yeah, yeah Harry's yeah. quite far off the line now, you know, he's mm-hmm. quite far away from the whole thing. So why would you even want his position? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think for most of the royals, they want the position because they like everything that comes along with the position, right? As well as just the fact right, that that right, has been on, their then. whole life. <laughs> what comes along with the position? Break it down for me. What do you, what do you actually get out of it? And we're uh, talking here being being a royal, but not like actually being the one on the throne, you know, like, yeah. Uh, you get access to most of the royal properties, don't you? You probably will have one or two that That's are specifically fair. designated to you. You'll get access to most of the others. You that get to meet fair. all the world leaders and go to fancy events and meet important people from all around the world when they, you that know. That sounds um, tedious. Well, no, it depends on who you're meeting. <laughs> like some people might be really down for that and like might be interesting people. I'd be up for going yeah. to one. Maybe not one every week, yeah. but you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so i'm definitely gonna buy the houses but what else is there really i mean well money obviously as well um fame you're yeah. well known everywhere you go people really like you probably get given lots of good stuff for being who you are to uh, respect <laughs> and all that stuff you know and yeah and people who are just genuinely like head over heels in love with you as fans and you know it's, there's loads of weird but just with way more money depending on your personality um, the having loads of people like just randomly obsessed with you might not be a great yep. thing depending on how you are right? but you've been raised um, like that your whole life so you'd probably be super used to it and it wouldn't be that big of an issue that's perhaps true I mean obviously they help you to cope with it or like try and teach you to be able to cope with those things but you know you can't predict the person Absolutely. and it might become a strain on any one mm-hmm. person and then even the even though you're saying everyone likes you, I mean, there's quite a lot of people that are not massive fans of the royal family. It's not like I don't think they likes you. I and don't then, think royals walk down the street and get heckled, though, do they? They get cheered. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> like, yeah, it might be people who don't okay. like you, but you're not going to come into contact with them because they won't be given security clearance to come within, like, a mile of you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair point, fair point. But then, all right, uh, let me add this onto it. So the wealth is obviously, you're like, okay, yeah, that's a cool thing, blah, blah, blah. But they can achieve that in other ways. And then the downside of that is like the constant scrutiny of being a royal. Like Definitely. there's no way to escape that pressure. And and mm-hmm. I just can't see that as being, there's not you no have way to be to a very strong pressure. character to deal with that. Yeah. It, 
because it, it only actually becomes scrutiny if you do something really big, isn't it? Right? Like, so there are a whole, there are mm-hmm. vast mm-hmm. members of, there are massive swathes of the royal family who most people don't know who they are or what their names are or what they do because yeah, yeah. they're either far enough away that no one cares anyway or they just haven't done anything controversial or, you know, newsworthy. Mm-hmm. So they can just kind of carry on for yeah. people don't even know they exist really and they just get to live the sweet life. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah. But now let's bring it to Harry then because he's in that kind of middle position mm-hmm. where although he's not actually in line for the throne directly now, or well, he is fifth, whatever it is, but he's not like the next. He also is well known enough that he can never lead that mm-hmm. kind of just, you know, life where nobody really pays attention to what he gets up to. Yeah. And of course, for him, it's even more emotionally charged than the rest of the royal family because his mum was basically died mm-hmm. running away from journalists, you know. So he already mm-hmm. has seen just how bad the scrutiny and the level of like like hysteria and fame that comes with being who you are can do yeah. to, you know, members of the royal family. So he's seen that from the the very worst end of the scale. So mm-hmm. you can understand mm-hmm. why like I might as much as I might have contested why other royal family members might not want to leave the royal family because of all the perks. I can definitely see for him, given his given the history of his family history, like yeah. why you wouldn't want to be like you've just got you know you've just got married, having kids. You don't want to be bringing your children into the same world that you were brought into. You know, like yeah, that's, that's a true would have point. been not fun and not enjoyable for him. Mm. And to evidence what you said earlier, like they do get training as young kids to be able to deal with these things, and you can see like William. They are brothers and they both had the same things happen to them or whatnot, but William's come out of it and seems to be, you know, going down the usual path and that and is not wanting to. Yeah, so, so there there's is, obviously an element. There is yeah, certainly, I mean, this is just something that's depicted often in The Crown, but I have no idea how much truth there is to it. But where, like, if you are in that role, you will just be told, you know, pull your socks up and do it, basically. Like, so whereas Harry might have been able to turn around and say, I kind of am debating, you know, don't really want to be part of this. That's kind of fine. Cause like you say, he's not that close to the lineage and like he can kind of disappear without totally destroying the royal family. But I imagine mm-hmm. that they sat William down and said, I don't care how much you don't want to do this. You are the heir to the throne <laughs> and you're the next, you know, I mean, you can't back away from this, which is, which is probably part of the reason why he's much more kind of okay with everything that's happened than Harry is, is because mm-hmm. he has to be. Yeah. Whereas Harry is allowed and a bit also, more freedom to go ahead. Like, although they are brothers and they grow up together and went through all these things together, you, you've got to think of the like, their paths in life and how madly different they are. Like one is destined to be king mm-hmm. and will be king of England. And that's kind of a given. And then the other one is not. And like, he's part of the Royal family, but although they were super similar, like just brothers and did quite similar stuff and both did the military bit and all those things. Like they're massively different at this point. I think I saw an interview with Harry saying like their paths are really diverged. And I can believe that. Like, his life yeah. is totally different. He must be thinking now about, like you say, his wife and his kid and and mm-hmm. what's going to happen in their lives and the pressure of the media on his kid and all those kind of things. Whereas William's obviously thinking about like his next step into being king of the country and his family or whatever and all those things. But like they're on totally different paths. So I can see why one would... Yeah, you know, and that is, that is maybe, evidence in a lot of what they do, right? Yeah. Like even just in the, the people that they married, right? Like Harry married an American celebrity, uh, whereas kind of... And which... I know, actually, no, I was going to say one of them was quite a political statement in that um, Will married, like, someone who wasn't considered, like, because everyone was very angry, like, oh, she shouldn't be a part of the royal family. She's not royal or anything like that. She's just a, a commoner, basically, is what people Wait, were saying about, about uh, Middleton. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is what people yeah, were saying Kate about Middleton. Yeah, yeah. Even though that was kind yeah. of not, because when you watch, like, stories of family history, I don't think she was a commoner, uh-huh. like, in the sense. Yeah, no, no, just, yeah, exactly. But, like, yeah. 
No, she's I was viewed say that by the royals, do. but to us lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, his yeah. his yeah, I don't know. I, I can't imagine Will of having married Megan, because I think that would have been way too unfortunately, way too controversial within the royal family, because it just would have been too far outside of the standard tradition. And of course he would be king and then we'd have Meghan crazy. Markle as queen. I think that's part of the reason why Harry wants to get out of here, because those things those kind of things are crazy, aren't it? And like mm-hmm. why would you as a person want to be part of that? You know, I was thinking the other day, there's so many like pressures that individuals face from other members of society that don't really need to exist for any reason. And he must have so many. It's unbelievable. Like that guy, you remember when he went to Iraq and they had to keep it all secret and that because they didn't want it to be revealed where he was at because all the enemy would have just been targeting him. Yeah, just his base. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the guy's guy's in a weird position compared to everybody else. And yet he doesn't have like a royal seat coming out of it like he's just thrust into this position and to me personally I'm just looking on him as a dude just a a real person and I'm like I don't see that position that he's in being beneficial for someone I don't see that as being a good place for somebody to be I think he's unless unless they kind of just really love the riches and all of that Mm. and they're not really too fussed about many other things in life but I think he's just kind of he's a quite normal but what do you mean about his position though right because I think that actually for most people in his position, it would be desirable in that you wouldn't have that much scrutiny. I think it's just because he's been, he's such a famous, like, I don't know, prince and because of his, who his mum was and stuff, like he has received a lot more scrutiny than I think a lot of other people in similar positions would do, right? I think it's because A, he's attractive, he married an American celebrity, his mum was Princess Diana, you know, like his brother to the king. I don't know. There's a lot of things I think that make him more scrutinised that not the brother to the king that was that, but than another prince would be as well. So mm. as much as I totally agree with what you're saying, the only thing I was contesting is that I don't wouldn't necessarily say it's the objective position that these are bad things for. I'd say it's because but he's Prince position Harry, he's he a finds prince. himself in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rather yeah. than his royal position. Yeah. yeah. I do agree with that. And you've got to think, like in the future when William is king, he's going to be the brother of the king and like he's still going to be very heavily scrutinised for mm-hmm. everything that he does is going to be watched. And so I can see why the guy wants to escape this life and yeah. just have a quiet life somewhere in Canada, rural, with his wife and kids and just enjoy it rather than yeah. be like constantly stressed and, and dealing with other people's problems, basically. Not yeah. not in the sense of like dealing with political problems, but do you know what I mean? Everyone's hang-ups and what they think of you and all of this going on constantly. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't like that, man. Trying to get on with life. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, you just someone having to random like, yo, this person who you don't know about said this statement about you. How do you react? And you're like, leave me alone. I'm just trying to imagine if there was a podcast out there which chats about you weekly, Jack. Yeah. I can't imagine. There must be hundreds be of royal podcasts. Totally. I don't even know, but totally, yeah, you know, magazines and columns and just general people. Like, I wouldn't like people talking about me weekly. So mm-hmm. yeah. And you've yeah. got to remember he's global. Get it. It's not like like you know, the royal yeah. family is loved by loads of countries other than the UK. Like he's not just and that's the other thing, like he's trying to escape, but where's he going to, like Canada, I guess, but I guess maybe they're not quite so obsessed with the royals over there, but like, I just don't see where you can go where you can actually hide from the people and people won't be like, oh yes, the Prince yeah. of England. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely the our places, but yeah. Mm-hmm. You just have to live a quiet life, you know, and I think in part, part of this is that mm. they're stepping back from, from royal duties and as senior royals, so like they won't be assigned all these things to do and, and no. from that, but, they'll have a lot more time. Have you seen that they're trying to copyright the the Sussex Regents, um, like specific brand of the Sussexes? They're trying to they're trying no. to get the pattern from the royal family so that they can make money. Like so, they're like we don't want any royal money. Jokes. No, no, no. We're not going to take part in that. But we are definitely going to capitalise on our royal brand, which we're going to have to get off of the royal family to be able to use. 
Yeah, this is so where a couple of questions do come in. Like I was watching somebody talk about how like are they going to get jobs, blah blah blah, and it was like it's basically impossible for Harry not to capitalize on his brand. Just do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like anywhere that takes him is kind. Of, yeah, yeah. You know, even if he went, even yeah, if he went to yeah. apply to be like I don't know, like a like work behind a till, he would still be mm. more likely to get the role than someone else because he's the prince, yeah. right? So yeah, no matter no matter <laughs> yeah. what role you're going for, you're going to get preferential treatment because of who you are. So yeah, it's pretty much uh-huh. irrelevant. But yeah, but they're not people the, they have taken it over the, the top and being like, how are they going to survive? I mean, these guys have a hell of a lot of money already. Yeah. Um, she was an actress before and I'm sure she can go back to being an actress if she earned, makes peace. I think so. she earned four million pounds in her first year of there being you on go. Suits. There yeah. you go. So I'm sure she can find a job very easily. Yeah. And like, I'm sure it's not going to be hard for him to find a job as well, doing mm-hmm. something or other. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to be a There were two previous royal family members who had separate businesses, actually. I was listening to the okay. other day. One of them was, um, I think one of them was, oh, one of them was PR or something, like a public relations company. And the other might have been insurance or something like that. Really weird. Anyway, weird stuff. But it was like an earl and a duchess who owned these two separate like companies, <laughs> like not that long ago, basically. And there was always controversy. I think they actually had to give up the roles, and then the companies ended up becoming royal companies, and then were sold off. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So basically, it's quite difficult. I think if you do open your own company under the name of being a royal, like there's a lot of confusion that goes into it because of the kind mm. of weird legal status you exist in. I don't know what will be in. the distinction once they've stepped back. Sorry, I don't know what it will be like. No, I don't yeah. know what the distinction will be like. Yeah, once. Mm. Step, but I don't know what what happens anymore. Really, yeah, yeah. I can't think of anyone else than done this apart from that king that went and married the married the American lady, the the pop star back in the day. I don't know what he you're referencing. Down, but the only thing he I can reference, in my, yeah. The only thing I can reference is when Arwen marries Aragorn in Lord of the Rings and gives up her <laughs> elvish immortality. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. <laughs> yeah, gave up, gave up her role in suits, didn't it? Gave up her role in suits. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there's other questions raised, like who's going to fund their security, blah, blah, blah. Um, Who I is going to fund it? Answers that. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess, I guess in Canada, them. it'll probably Perhaps. be government funded because they're a commonwealth nation. What do you mean nation? government funded? But if they lived in America, they probably would have to somehow fork out for their own security. No, but I mean, the whole because point is they're no, uh, they are still royal, aren't they? Even yeah. though they're not doing anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. They still definitely need security. Um, are you sure they're not trying to get, are they not renouncing their titles wholeheartedly or are they just stepping back from duties? Regardless. If you're, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, 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 like he, he was Prince Harry. I'm sure there's crazy people out there who want to do terrible things that would require security to stop. Like yeah, regardless of whether so. he still has the word prince it in front of his name. It would make news. Yeah, exactly. It would make news if something was happening mm-hmm. to him. So yeah, no doubt. And then the other problem that people are complaining about is that <laughs> they just had a refurbishment to their home in England, Frogmore mm-hmm. Cottage, funded by the taxpayer for £2.4 million. Pounds. Yeah. Um, and they're no longer going to be living there all the time. And so I think in their plan, they're going to be living in here half the time and Canada half the time or something. Like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Or maybe New York for a bit of the time. I think those were the three places something they're talking like about that. maybe. Yeah. The, the ridiculous thing about the Frogmore Cottage renovation are that mm. it wasn't just like renovated so people could live there. It was renovated specifically for the needs of Harry and Meghan. Like, so like they mm. would have got stuff put in there specifically for them on taxpayer money that they're now not going to use. But it's interesting as well. well I, I mean, they are. Like, yeah, we're so they're s- half the year, isn't it? But well, maybe half the year, maybe a lot less, you know, like if they're trying to avoid fair, being in fair. the UK. They might That's retain true. it. But yeah, I can't imagine them actually wanting to spend six months of the year here because otherwise, what was the point? I don't know. Yeah, fair. So yeah, fair uh, point. But yeah, I, it just seems incredible. That for, like I also just think it seems incredible the um, like, oh yeah, we're gonna renounce all of our royal powers and titles and whatnot, but we'll keep the house. 
you know, why not? We'll keep the house. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, we, we're going to become, we're gonna become self-sustainable, yeah. but we're going to keep the house. Which I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I that's a fair I, point. As a concept, that's a fair point. I, fair, fair enough. You know, like you know, you can't just automatically walk out onto the street one day and be like, "Cool, I am my own person. I don't need like any support from anyone." <laughs> but at the same time, it is just a bit of a that would be a wicked a, film. Yeah. Just if like yeah, a print, just to have print, you know, the prince be like, you know what, I'm just going to leave today with nothing and just go rogue and <laughs> it's just, like just see them surviving episode. for a bit while. Do you remember the hustle episode amazing. where he makes up the fake, the fake challenge, the fake con artist challenge, which is you put two, you dunk someone naked in the middle of London and they've got to get themselves like a suite at the Ivy by the end of the day. I can't remember exactly how, yeah. <laughs> it's just like real game. You're just like running around hustling people. You're trying to make yourself more and more money. <laughs> <laughs> Big show. Wait, the real hustle nah, or nah, hustle? hustle, hustle. Okay, Not yeah, really that's awesome. much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess the cottage and then, you know, the security and all those things and him flying up. But to me personally, I'm not against them. I'm not against what he's done here. Now, some people are pissed because apparently the Queen and the royal family didn't actually know this was going to happen until the statement came out. Now, that maybe is a little bit disrespectful in that to your mum and the whole blah, blah, blah. Not to say he shouldn't have done it, but maybe he should have at least told her it was happening. Yeah, but then the only thing public. I would say against that, as much as I agree with everything you just said there, is that's just... But then that comes to what we were saying before. That's just personal family stuff, you know, like actually at the end of the day, it's between him and his mum, whether or not he told his mum beforehand, you know, like it's not really... Mm. It doesn't, does it really matter to... Uh, like, why should we, just as people, care if he gave them forewarning or not? Because we all like the Queen, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, <laughs> but, yeah. But it's not... Yeah, okay, fine. Like, I appreciate what you're saying yeah. there, but I'm just saying that people who are getting I just don't see that, the reason like, why not to do it. You have I don't no... see why you wouldn't have warned them. Well, you maybe know. you just like, thought it would seems be a really underhand. awkward conversation and was kind of a bit scared about doing it and thought, I'll just do it the official way because that's the way you're supposed to do it anyway because I don't really want to have mm. this conversation because they'll tell me I can't do it. And then, or maybe even he's sat there going, if I tell the queen that I want to do this, she'll just make it so I can't do it. So no, better to ask forgiveness than permission. She could do that now anyway. But yeah, okay, all right. I'm not going to I'm not gonna get on it. But yeah, I'm just not sure. I That's the only I thing where I'm a little bit like, he could have done one thing. There. Yeah, but, but yeah, also, I'm, I'm with him. Yeah, but I'm also at the him. same time, how people like treat and act around their own family is their business, isn't it? Like... Yeah, but it's not necessarily just her we're looking at here. It's the institution of the royal family and all them. He told the institution of the royal family yeah, through the official care. means of telling them and announcing it, right? I think he just it was didn't a twist go to his mum before in the news and mutter it to her. Yeah, and he say, didn't go through no official it. channels. He just he announced made it in the, the story news. in the news or something. Yeah, yeah. or on a web page or something. Or okay. so I'm not sure where. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one last thing is on their web page, they did say they were fed up with the media, Harry and Meghan, and that they were going to be embracing new small media. So holler if you hear me, Harry. We need, <laughs> yeah, we would I love saw to do that. an interview. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. yeah. And up. also, he said that this I saw in a news article on the group, I think. Apparently, he and Meghan are going to do like a reveal all interview with NBC News or something like that, which doesn't sound like bigging up the small news. So, no, yeah. it doesn't. It also doesn't yeah. sound like a good move if you're trying to smooth over tensions amongst mm. the royal family, <laughs> or a good move if you're trying to lay low. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, not sure anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Big up, Harry. Shall we move on? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So obviously, like ongoing throughout the week, there's been the tensions with the. We spoke about this last Iraq. week, didn't we? Sorry, this is when Iran it all kind of started yeah. happening. Yeah, and now I don't know what, what happened by last week. What did we say last week? Okay. Last week, last week was when Trump killed Qasem Soleimani. 
Oh right, yeah, okay, that happened before last week's so, all right, legit. Yeah. Um, that- well yeah, in the in the in the interim, obviously there was a retaliatory strike from Iran on some US bases, US slash Iraqi bases in Iraq, mm-hmm. where apparently I think apparently the missiles that hit Somani were maybe the uh, the drone that hit him was apparently launched from those bases or something. Because I wondered why those ones were picked, but maybe that might be the reason. Uh, also there's um, supposedly talks that they gave the American troops six hours notice before they fired the drone. Yeah, they strikes. definitely well, so the bases were Iraqi slash US bases and they definitely gave the Iraqi government notice of the strikes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there was no casualties in the strikes. So people are theorizing that is because of the notice and the forewarning that there was no casualties and then people are like so well why did you do the strikes hmm if, wow do you know what i mean so no, no, why did really. they do them if they were going to warn them first because they have to show to the people of their country that they are responding but they also didn't want to anger donald trump and start a war because they're sensible enough to realize a war is a bad idea but also they know they've got a lot of hardcore nationalist anti-american idealisms in their country that People, those people need to be placated with some sort of action. And also, Iran looks weak if they do nothing. Whereas if they do something... So I don't disagree with any thing, of that. I don't disagree with any of that. But then, isn't that blatant then? There's no there's no cover for that. You wouldn't want that to be like your blatant motivation for doing it. It's like, okay, we're going to do this act which is totally useless and even warn them beforehand just so we can placate the people. Even the people in the country must be able to see through that, can't they? I don't see them throwing up any smoke in front of that. It seems too... From here, you forget our media coverage is going to be yeah, totally different to the media coverage true. in Iran. Yeah, the Iranians might be being true, told yeah. that, yeah, we responded, we reciprocated in action, we've blown up this base, blah, blah, blah. They might not be being told, like, explicitly and in every news article, but no one died and it was vaguely <laughs> arranged with America before. You know, like, they're not... So no one's benefiting Iran to be telling the Iranian people that, so they probably aren't telling them. Very fair point. Yeah, that's a very fair point. So, okay, that happened. And I think that happened at about 1am. It was, there was a precise time, I can't remember it. And like symbolically, that was the exact same time that the strike hit Soleimani's convoy and killed him. So it was like 59 minutes past midnight or 101 Mm -hmm. or something like that. So that happened. And then an hour after that, or a couple, I think maybe three hours after that, um, a Ukrainian Boeing jet taken off from Tehran in Iran a passenger plane went as well. down, yeah. Passenger plane yeah. crashed into like some suburb just close to the to the um, airport it took off from, and obviously, like you know, it was a couple hours after this strike was launched on the airbase. So everyone on the internet is theorizing what's gone on here. Was it shot down by the Iranians? The Iranians first came out and said, no, like, no, this was some kind of technical fault. It wasn't us. We had nothing to do with it. Um, a lot of like countries were pinning the blame on them. America was saying they had evidence saying it was them. And then like some kind of video went around that I watched as well on the internet appearing to show, like it was really hard to see. You could sort of see what appeared to be like a, a projectile going towards one direction, but you couldn't see a plane in the sky. It was too foggy. And then all of a sudden there's a big flash. So it obviously hit something. And then Mm. you see like some faint shadows. It was really hard to tell, but it looked like a missile hit the plane. And then this week, obviously, or in the last couple of days, Iran's actually come out and admitted that, or they've come out and said that, yeah, uh, an Iranian missile did hit the plane and take it down by accident, they're saying. Um, so what's their full, yeah. do you know the full story on that then? Because like, what, what, how are they saying this accident occurred, right? Like, are they saying, were they practicing firing missiles and they didn't realize there was a plane nah. in the path? Were <laughs> that they, would be a ridiculous like, accident. <laughs> exactly. So I'm confused as to what, like, is the accident that, would that be a ridiculous they set accident. the wrong targeting in place for the missile? Like, I don't understand. No, how no, this- no. Look, so think of it this way. Iran has never actually shot a missile at the United States before. Like they've done proxy stuff and all that. And we've all, 
but never have they actually shot the US, mm-hmm. you know. And the US is a big bad guy with, well, don't mean bad in that sense, but, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're strong. So you're going to be scared. So Iran has just fired a rocket at US bases. A couple of hours, yeah. like in the hours after that, they're across the country going to be on the highest alert of retaliation from the US and preparedness for the US to attack Iran now, you know. They're geared up and ready for that. You can't not be ready for that at the moment when that's most likely to happen ever. So they're ready right now for the US to hit them. And what they said was that this plane slightly veered off its course that it was supposed to, though that is disputed from the airline and other people. Mm -hmm. But they say it slightly veered off course towards a military base and they thought it was an American um, missile and they shot it down because they... Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, I, that still doesn't sound believable to me. I that think doesn't I sound believable the, to you? Could you not tell the difference between a, like a, a fighter jet and a Boeing 737? Like, I could tell one from the ground. I'm sure with their high-tech ability... Well, no, because I've just told you I saw a video from the ground. I've just told you I saw a video from the ground, and you couldn't even yeah, see the plane at all. Yeah, that's a video on a phone, presumably, and they always... Like the, I'm presuming that's quality of the video, but fair enough, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. What like, I'm saying the, is, the, the like, fine, okay, enough, maybe, so maybe with the naked eye, you wouldn't be able to tell, but like, mm. they should have known that that was a passenger plane coming from Ukraine before they fired the missile, which also means they should have been able to have an assessment. I don't dispute that, and to assess yeah, it I'm clearly isn't an American that. pilot, like an American fighter jet that is flying close to their military bases. I know you're saying clearly the accident of them having made a lot of mistakes, like a lot of mistakes for this to have happened. What I can't believe is how they've managed to make that many mistakes that anyone spotted. All it one takes is one mistake. Everyone is there primed and waiting for a retaliatory attack, right? One guy is sitting on this specific rocket launch button watching and sees a plane coming in on a dodgy trajectory in that and he makes a mistake and press the thing or he tells his commander and they make a mistake and say the go ahead. Like, it doesn't take hundreds of mistakes. It's like... Do they not have... So, I don't see it as something... Now, because you, know. you would have registered flights that were flying through your country. They would probably have something okay, saying yeah, there that is, is where there's a problem. Right that is where there's, there's and... definitely been a problem of, of a breakdown of communication here between the airport and that. Now, what confused me so much was that this plane took off three hours after the strike happened. And I'm like, okay, no news article or any reporters have said if there any planes took off before that. Because in my head, I'm like, okay, if this was the first plane that took off from the airport since that happened, then maybe... There's a nugget there. But then if there were planes taken off before that, you know, like if other ones had left by that same route, then then to me it's kind of suspicious. But nobody's confirmed or anything on that. I'm, I'm taking for granted that it might have been the first one that took off. And so I'm not saying what they did was right. And I'm saying 100% agree with you on that they should have known about the fact that there was scheduled flights leaving out then. They should have known about all them things, not disagreeing with that at all. But given the fact that the dude didn't have that information through, I don't know whose fault, his fault or the person supposed to give it to him's fault or whatever, mm-hmm. I can believe this happened compared to the alternative. What are the alternatives? That they shot it down on purpose is the other alternative. And why Why would they do that? I don't no, understand. Yeah, that, that definitely doesn't make any sense to me as to a reason why they might deliberately do it. Yeah, so I don't see what the alternatives are. It was either deliberate or an accident. Like it, they admit it was shot down by a rocket. Everyone else says it was shot down by mm-hmm. a rocket. There's a video that looks like it was shot. So we think it was shot down by a rocket. And now the question is, was it deliberate or not? And they say, but then, not. like and you I, say, everything points I think towards their it being reasoning an accident. Sounds legitimate. Everything points towards being an accident. But then at the same time, I still think like you would have done better due diligence or have done more due process before firing a missile into a passenger jet. Like I just, I like you've either done nowhere near enough like assessment of what that 
jet ears before it came in, which you'd expect them to be mm. able to do very quickly. Or yeah, they've got some ulterior yeah. reasons. So you've got to think. Okay, there's two factors I'm taking into account here. One is the fact that these people on the ground, like these army operators or uh, air force operators and people in bases and on guns and that, they're just human people. And also, they're right at that moment fearing invasion from the United States, you know, or missile attacks from the United States. All these kind of things, right? It's kind of like imagine there's a serial killer in a building and he's killed two dudes in front of you and you're running in the build. Like you're in a state of panic at that moment. This is how I'm envisaging the people in that country that are in charge of defending that country in those hours of that night. I can't imagine how close they thought it was to coming off. Could they just fired rockets at US bases? Yeah, they I don't would know have if people are taking that for the seriousness that that is taken for. Do you know what I mean? Nah, like, yeah, they fired yeah. rockets at oh US Army bases. Oh my God, you've said this bases. about six times, please. But that just blows my mind. I can't that. believe that no, happened. No, I get you. I, I get know, you, but yeah. I just can't believe that happened. So I'm trying to get in the head of these people that are like manning these batteries and that. And they must have been in a state of terror and panic and all that. And they see this kind of thing, maybe veering towards them, maybe not veering towards them. Somebody was terrified and made a serious grave mistake. And I agree with you. They didn't make enough checks. But you can see how maybe in that state of mind... And in that short space of time you have when you're like, okay, there's a missile right there and it's coming to us right here. You don't Wait. have time for these countless checks. Think of the distance of the plane to the actual army base. Like it's in the city. Like if you thought a missile was there, you don't have time. That's hitting you in milliseconds or seconds kind of. So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's kind of a, it's a weird situation to be in there, but definitely problems, you know, on the ground. And even the Iranian leaders have said that the people that were actually responsible for you know, making it happen will be prosecuted. And I'm not sure what, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you believe that, that will happen. But like, you know, they're making the signs that even they say that whoever did it, they do, think that is a terrible thing as well. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, right. Okay. I've got one thing I really want to search up because I want to know, but I will say to you that I've just found out that there were nine flights that had gone over Iranian airspace previous to that flight since the, between the strike and when that missile was fired, there was nine other flights. Interesting, but and also, you say they've gone over Iranian airspace, but did they take off from that airport in Tehran and go over that airbase? Do you know what I mean? Or were they just somewhere else in Iran? Across so that's the other sure. thing I wanted to point out, which I hadn't realised until when we were having the argument, is that it took off from Tehran. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was very low down. That's the, so yeah, I thought you had these factors. So you've got to take these into account when you're judging whether it's like an enemy plane or not. Like it was very low down over the city. So... I totally agree with you. They should have had knowledge that planes were taken off from that airport, and in which case you would take that for granted, wouldn't you? You'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, it's very low down. It's, it's near the airport. There. You can see its trajectories come from the airport. Like, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, one other thing I can throw in is that apparently they did ask for a no-fly zone over Iran for the operation to go down, but were refused it. I'm not sure who refused it or what. Like, whether it was within Iran, or I'm not sure what went on there. But mm -hmm. so and it was it's a very tragic the event, no it doubt. Crashed yeah. as well, didn't it? Yeah. So it yeah. Got yeah. And they must have turned around. Well, yeah, so that's what, what the, that the base say. The base say the plane was like turning around or something and that made them think it was a dodgy thing or whatever. But then the, the airline disputes that. So we we just don't really know in this situation. You know? it, hadn't even left, it hadn't even left the airport's airspace when it got hit. Mm. Mm. Before it left mm. the airport's airspace, yeah, it, it turned close. around to return to the runway. Shortly afterwards, it crashed. Mm. So that's so, it's yeah. barely gone anyway. I mean, that's the thing. If you look at the map, like it's still right by Tehran. I mean, we knew it was shot down yeah, over yeah, Tehran. Yeah, it's still in yeah. the suburbs. Like I said, there's a lot of yeah, questions yeah, yeah. around it if you're just looking at the data. In we fact, the pilot, now. oh, this is so this is like a claim by an eyewitness, but it was reported on many of the news. But apparently, the pilot like steered the plane in the last 
seconds or whatever it was away from the residential buildings and crashed into like a football ground or some kind of sports. Okay. Oh, it was a green ground plus rather than a residential thing. Um, but yeah, it's fucking terrifying really. There was a lot, yeah. before we knew it was the Iranians, there was some like meme going, not meme, but you know, it's one of the things that goes around the internet of like a description. Somebody had written this emotive description of what it would have been like to be in a passenger plane that is hit by one of these missiles that blows up. And it was just, it was some terrifying stuff, man. So, you know, it's a tragic event. I don't know what else to say, but yeah, I guess we should move on unless you want to keep, unless you want to keep going on about. I, I mean, honestly, about. I could sit here and try and delve into what on earth happened because I don't get it still <laughs> for hours. But now, nah, yeah, you're more right. info let's... will come out, won't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we'll we've only more. had we've only had a couple of days from the, or I mean, a week or so from the event, but a lot of information has been coming out across those days, and there's still the investigations go ahead. I think Ukrainians are there investigating along with the Iranians and. So I guess more is to be found out. I did see some newspapers saying that Iran coming forward and actually owning up to this thing rather than just trying to bury it and hide the whole thing is a sign that they're trying to de-escalate the situation. Obviously, yeah, like when it actually yeah. happened, that was everything yeah, yeah. was tense as hell. You know, they could, I'm not saying it's right for them to hide it, but like maybe they could have attempted to hide it and that would have made things a hell of a lot mm. worse. So at least I'm Ooh. glad that like, or they could yeah. have pretend tried to own it and act like it had been an act of aggression. If they were trying to be aggressive towards America anyway, they could have been like, "Yeah, another yeah. attack." You yeah. Know? So yeah, you're right. They've done yeah. a very, yeah, yeah. they've done quite a nice response, really. As you know, <laughs> as bad as it <laughs> nice is, is like, word for it. But yeah, it's no, the one yeah. thing they had to at least do from the whole thing. Yeah, it was to admit that it was just a mistake, part. basically. Yeah, and yeah. trying to try. And I'm and sorry, I did want to just add to this whole discussion. I totally forgot about this, and I've also forgotten the name over it, but. This whole thing is is so funny because not funny, but it's um don't know the word for it. But about forty years ago or something like that, an Iranian jet was flying over the Gulf of Persia or whatever it is, and a US warship mistook it for an attack plane and shot down an Iranian passenger plane, and there was a media storm about it, blah blah blah, and the Americans denied that they thought it, you know, they denied that, that mm. it was them and then they denied that it was, they denied that it, then that it was um, um, like a, they thought said it was doing dodgy stuff, blah, 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 all these kind of things. And eventually it came out that it wasn't doing dodgy stuff. They never apologised for it. They never said that they did anything illegal, although they did actually pay compensation to the victims of, of, the, of the families that were on the plane. So just throwing out that little historical nugget there. <laughs> And maybe that should be a little thing that should be whispered to Trump and hopefully he'll cool his temper just a little bit and see that the Iranians have said this and we can all cool down from this situation Let's rather hope. than escalating it any further. Let's hope. Yeah. It does seem like things are on yeah. a kind of slow de-escalation at the moment, to be honest. So hopefully. I think yeah. we've got reason yeah. to hope, yeah. certainly. No doubt. Also, there's an interesting word I heard in the news, which is the name of some scheme that lots of European nations have entered into, which allowed us to trade with Iran uh, over the last whatever it was time basically yeah basically we're not actually allowed to trade with Iran still because the American things and we've all had to do a dodgy scheme to be able to do it and it's got a name can't remember what it is but <laughs> I found that funny it's our little ulterior motor our little fucking hand under the table yeah basically. but it just shows how under the thumb we are really isn't it yeah. that we have to like the European nations want to do something and they all have to go do this kind of scheme mm -hmm. to circumvent sneaky way America to saying that it's not allowed <laughs> Yeah. Ridiculous. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Yeah. Jack Phyllis in on Extinction Rebellion. Extinction Rebellion. That's what they sing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they do, with drums. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So you know how you know how there's always been a big controversy around. Uh, well, certainly amongst people we've spoken to, some people have been uh, fairly negative about Extinction Rebellion and the way that they run themselves yeah. and all that sort of stuff, and have a lot of questions around. Like, are they actually trying to do good, or are they actually like the first stages of a militarized group? Like, that's something that people say. <laughs> There's like and- three camps, isn't there? There's the people that really back them, the people that really hate them and their message. And yeah. then there's the people that like back the message, but don't think it's the right way to go about mm-hmm. them. They think they're too militant. The right, the right way like, to go about yeah, it. Cultish yeah, yeah. about the way yeah. they actually do these things. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out that the the terrorism police agree that they're <laughs> scary and militant and possibly are an well are an extremist ideology and are potentially therefore um, the people who are part of it have the potential to be committing terrorist or extreme violent acts. According to a report, so basically what happened is that the terrorism department released a report on uh, a prevent program related report on all the things you should be watching out for. And basically saying, if you see anyone acting like any of these things, you know, I don't know, uh, expressing an interest in Nazism means that, you know, blah, all these sorts of like these kind of markers that might hint that someone's part of an extremist group. They have this, Mm. they release this report that outlines all these things and what to look out for and what, if you see enough of these things to refer them to prevent, right? And they've now got a whole page Mm -hmm. about Extinction Rebellion being like, if you hear someone who is, you know, expressing climate change knowledge or uh, biodiversity interest or sympathies with the globe, then you need to keep an eye out for them and stuff. Is that the exact wording? The exact wording is strong or emotive terms about environmental issues like climate change, ecology, species extinction, fracking, airport expansion or pollution. So the terrorist police are saying that if you hear people talking about any of those things, they might be extreme fundamentalist violent people who need to be dealt with. Wow. Other groups that appear on this list include recognized neo-Nazi terrorist group and a pro-terrorist Islamist group being put mm. alongside Extinction Rebellion. Wow. So, any thoughts at this early stage? <laughs> yeah, just so many, man. Too many to mention. Oh, my God. At least three directions that I want to take <laughs> it in here. I just... Okay, first off, how are they using rules that the society would not allow generally, like some of these anti-terrorism rules... I think are the things that we wouldn't allow generally, but society, because of the fear of terrorism, you know, and the threat of it, the actual true threat of terrorism, we allowed certain things to go through to make sure that people are safe and we're safe, you know, and we've maybe given up certain things and rights and what have you. Now, how can governments make use of that and extend these beyond the realm for which they were designed, you know, and we've seen it in America many times with many things, but I thought in the UK, at least like we were a bit more sensible with things, but no, it seems that they're willing to do whatever they want. Do you know what I mean? They, they extended terrorism rules, first of all, to allow them to have like basically militarized police in London, dealing with gang members, carrying gun cops with, with assault, not assault, what do they call them? Submachine guns and that mm-hmm. to deal with stuff going on there. And then, during the Olympics, we had like SAM batteries on roof, pretty much every like rooftop in London that they could fit one on. Not necessarily against that, but like, you know, all of these things were justified because of terrorism. And now they're, they're inputting things like if people are caring about the environment, we're going to use these laws that people are not really okay with, but they've okayed because of the threat of terrorism and they want to mm-hmm. be safe in that. We're going to slip them in under there. That's not fair. That's not fair. They, they're, they're using what they have been given to protect us to then like 
imprison us, you know what I mean, and put yeah, people yeah. under the cost. Well, that was always the fear with counter-terrorism stuff, wasn't it? That was always well, the yeah. worry people I always shouted it's down the those people. the wedge. Yeah. Well, I shouted down those people and said, no, look, we have to do what we have to do, do you know what I mean? And and we are sensible people in this country. We're not going to let things run. And we haven't got a dictatorship in power <laughs> that's just going to be able to do what they like once they get these things in and, and modify them to just be like part of making the state stronger. I never anticipate those things happening. Like you hear people complaining about it all the time, but I'm like, come on. I know that's a worst case fear and maybe down the line that might happen. But right now, things that we need to change. To we that need to song do this. By, it's either by the kooks or the kinks that is naive. Because yeah. well, I was the same, man. So, yeah. so naive of the dangers of like, I was like, we've reached a stage now where like, not we can't go backwards, but that the system that we have in place will protect against most of the worst kind of outcomes that people talk about. Mm. But... Mm. I guess and it protects against it protects business. That's what it's doing. It's protecting business yeah. through these terrorism laws. Because who else is being protected? Basically, what they're trying to do is stop people shutting down airports and transportation things. Which is, I I totally understand. I don't agree with that as a method of stopping the climate disaster. I don't agree with that as the method. And I do think in doing that, the government are also protecting people. But they are in part protecting business there. And then they're protecting business in the shutdowns in London and all those kind of things. You could say they're stopping, you know, also protecting the people that are bothered by it and want to get to work and all that. But I just see it as, you know, they shouldn't be jamming these things under terrorism laws. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going to explain, I'm going to read you out what their explanation is as to why they consider Extinction Rebellion a threat. They state that it is an anti-establishment philosophy that seeks system change. Oh, that, yeah, under the anti-establishment philosophy that seeks system change underlying its activism. The group attracts to its events school-aged children and adults unlikely to be aware of this, while non-violent against persons, the campaign encourages other law-breaking activities. It adds, while concern about climate change is not in itself extreme, activists may encourage vulnerable people to perform acts of violence or commit such acts themselves. So they're drawing this kind of Maybe for- this link between environmental people are basically violent in the streets because of this kind of non-violent direct action approach mm. that has been taken by Extinction Rebellion. Which seems I'm firstly not sure like about it's that. called non-violent direct action. So I think the theory that it's going to lead to violence is maybe a little bit flawed from the start. But mm. at the same mm. time, it also feels like, it reminds me of the conversation we had a long time ago about pre-arresting people. It's like, they're basically <laughs> saying Extinction Rebellion might become dangerous in future, so we're going to start dealing with them now. The way I see it more so is that, okay, so maybe I should clarify what I just said before with just adding to that, that that is probably more I'm saying that about the way they've added the climate change thing to the prevent strategy, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Where prevent is this thing to tackle terrorism and that, and they've added these words. Do you remember when we spoke about Amazon once upon a time with Tim, maybe two years ago on the podcast, where we were talking about how Amazon had introduced these new rules in the company where if people were saying stuff along the lines of like fair pay or talking about unions and things like that, that they were to be informed on to superiors as, as talking about dodgy stuff. I don't know if you remember that. No, but I don't this remember just that. strikes me so much of yeah. the exact same thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of inform a culture on each other about that's fair enough with terrorism. Yeah, I don't think people should be hiding anyone they know that's doing terrorist stuff. But what is this like? Inform that your neighbour is talking about ecology, or inform that your neighbour is growing like a greenhouse and that, and they want to do it in an ecological. That that seems totally crazy to me. <laughs> then moving on to our extinction rebellion, potentially an extremist movement. Maybe they are. You know, well, they're, they're an extremist the ideology law. in terms of their I, their opinion is extremely different from the uh, the norm you know like slowly mm. changing that norm admittedly but certainly when they yeah, came on the scene I, I it wasn't just think, like climate I don't change think was the I don't think they 
Yeah, well, I don't think their climate change views are the extreme part of it. I don't think that's what is cited as the correct... It's, it's how they would go about trying to convince people of them view. I don't think like their views on on changing things are the extremist part. It's like how they will go about, you know, they're willing to break laws, they're willing to all of them mm. kind of things. So prevent is citing to, both, isn't yeah. it? But you're probably right in that that is actually the more significant one. But yeah, they're trying to cite both. And that, that's where part of the problem comes in the fact that they're citing basically environmentalism as extremism rather than, like you say, the bit that is more extreme, which is the the specific tactic of doing it. Hmm. So I, don't I know. believe that it's it's justified to have that group on a list of extreme groups if they are if that group is like one of their things is yeah we will break the law and do all their things and we're not you know most groups protest within the given times by the cops and all that extinction rebellion do what they want so I can see why they're on the list and also I totally back extinction rebellion for doing what they're doing and breaking the law and going beyond because they're trying to make a point okay. so I don't think anyone's that wrong in that but then this whole like you know informal people that are talking about the environment that's that's totally ridiculous they've gone too far man. so I'm just going to finish about. off this topic then just by saying that um Basically, the the specific report that they sent out has now been recalled because there was such a backlash that they're talking about. They don't. Want, they they said they now accept yeah, the protest group is not extremist. Basically, so yeah, they received so much backlash from the, about the claim that they were extremist that they're now not calling them extremist. Um, well done. Yeah, I think the yeah, reason they did it is because they want you know once they have a group on this thing, they have extra powers legally against them. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. I would assume that's the case. And you know, they lost the the court judgment on the section 40 order so they couldn't ban extinction rebellion from london anymore so they're just looking some kind of way to have some kind of powers over these dudes you know what i mean that's mm -hmm. how i see it now. Mm -hmm. and yeah. in september it was revealed that a retired doctor who joined xr and took part in their protest was reported to prevent by his nhs trust so they're i mean that's one example it potentially prevent has had other members of extinction rebellion referred to them in the past and maybe that was part of their thinking as to why they did it in the first place Legit. They were mm. like, this has happened before, oh, maybe yeah. we should just I'm not set, for up, it, man. set a precedent for it. But yeah, no, absolutely. And also, terrorism, move. man, come on, like, we shouldn't be diverting funds and time from people that are staffing, like, these cases of people vulnerable to terrorism with wasting their time on Extinction Rebellion activists. Do you know what I mean? I see yeah, that as crazy. Absolutely. They've got way more important stuff. So to do I don't know. Them. I don't know, man. I don't know what... Yeah, the government just seems to want to do something about the Extinction Rebellion problem. You know, they don't want it coming up again. And they're just looking for some kinds of solutions to mm -hmm. yeah, squash the whole thing. <laughs> Shame, really. It is, just yeah. a little bit. All right, so we should we move yeah. on? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's do that. That's my... Totally unrelated my to politics. I, yeah, I remember that we used to have terrible theme tunes, so I just thought I'd do a blah, <laughs> yeah. blah, just to get us going again, you know, yeah. get the ball rolling. <laughs> yeah. 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's our first our first terrible theme tune of 2020. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> what we should do, we should send a request out on Twitter or something and be like, you know, we want everyone to record like a three second terrible intro song for, and we just use the viewers' terrible ones they send in on each app. Yeah. That's a great idea. One day we'll set that. So up. come on, what's happening um, in the world outside of politics at the moment? Oh right, I see, I see. All right, well, yeah. Um Tons of well, okay. So everyone's known about the tragic fires going on in Australia. Yeah, we covered which, it on like, last week's episode across the well. whole country. If you want to hear our views on that, you can go well, to last week's episode and listen to our talk about it. One of the positive things to come out of the whole situation is that thousands of kilos of sweet potato and carrots are being airdropped by like helicopters in to feed like starving animals that are trapped in 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 areas which have been cut off and had all the trees and and the wildlife actually burnt out of it. So there's like. Um, wallabies and stuff living 
just out in this burnt forest and they're getting airdrops of carrots and sweet potatoes and stuff coming in and water as well. So I thought that was awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I'm glad that people are doing that because I mean, there's so much talk about the amount of animals that have died and stuff like that. And obviously we can't just mm. waltz in and get them out. Like they, A, even if we did find them, we'd have to somehow get them to come with us, like which could be its own struggle. <laughs> and B, like we wouldn't find them anyway. They're all... You have to get Noah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need someone who can march them two by two onto the into safety. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. 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 So that's really I, I love the idea, and also I love because also this article that I'm reading it says thousands of kilograms of food has been delivered to the animals, which in my mm. head makes me imagine they've literally just dropped like a hundred thousand kilos of carrots in one big box into the forest, and there's now just like <laughs> millions of wallabies and kangaroos fighting over this box of carrots <laughs> to see who can get access to it. Jokes. No, it's wow. even actually funnier than that, though. It's like there's pictures of a helicopter and inside it, you know, the doors open kind of thing, like you would to have a minigun sticking out. But instead, they've just got boxes and boxes inside of like carrots and stuff. And there's just a dude just like throwing out boxes of carrots, <laughs> like, you know, just pouring it out the door and that box by box. It looks like a very long process to drop <laughs> thousands of kilos of this. But it reminds just, me of... I was like astonished they were doing it. I was like, wow, yeah, that's awesome. Glad they're putting in the time. And yeah, you like you say, they're saving all these animals' lives that are stuck Did out. Did you ever see those YouTube videos where people would like crash the Elder Scrolls games by like dropping 20,000 cabbages off the top of a mountain out of yeah, their inventory. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Because yeah, the whole yeah, game, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm picturing right now. Like the, like the Australia is lagging as the carrots start falling <laughs> out of the sky and spawning and more spawn. <clears throat> People used to use that as a benchmark, you know what I mean? You just choose a figure and try, see if you could run it smoothly at that amount of <laughs> cabbages rolling down or paintbrushes or whatever. 10,000 are still running smooth. Yeah, yeah mate. It's, just, oh, it's the old metric. Yeah, it's called Operation yeah. Rock Wallaby, this mission of theirs. Mm. Just such a good name. Mm. It's such an Australian yeah. name. So, obviously, the problem is that the fires have decimated forests, you know, like thousands mm -hmm. of kilometres of forests, and these animals are living in forests and that. So, all of a sudden, they've gone from living within a forest to living within like a savannah covered in ash. Well, not savannah, like just a plain, I guess you'd call it, just covered in ash. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a total a change to their, their ecology that they're yeah. living in amongst and they're going to need this help to survive. Mm -hmm. Estimation, oh, as crazy. I said, half a, yeah. half a billion, but estimations are actually up to a billion now for the amount of animals that have been killed in the forest fires. Yeah. Which is... I guess that's something we great. don't normally think of, isn't it? But yeah, jeez. Mm. So mm. yeah, sad times for Australia, but I don't know. It's a kind of heartwarming thing to hear that they're dropping the carrots out there, they're dropping the carrots yeah. for safety. Yeah. I did see the top tweet on on the article going out though, being like, I can't remember it word for word, but it was something along the lines of like, imagine a wallaby's surprise when it's boinked on the head by a supersonic carrot. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But also it's joy. Yeah. Think of it's joy. <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Sounds quite painful. It took a while to get over. But yeah, joy in the end, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Means to an end and all that. Um, Machiavellian. Yeah. So yeah, let's move on to the roundup stuff. What you got? What you got in the roundup? What have I got? What have I got? Uh what have I got? Um 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 Northern like Ireland, they're back. Soon to be back. Okay. Two yeah. for one pound? Two for one pound. No, no right. Yeah, <laughs> go on. Don't worry. <laughs> I didn't get that. No. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so basically, obviously, as um, I'm sure many of our listeners will know, Stormont uh, has mm. been closed. The Stormont Assembly, which is the Northern mm -hmm. Irish government, basically, has been closed for about three years now. Um, because. Which is mad when you think about it. Yeah, it is mad. And for a variety of reasons. But one of the main reasons, basically, being the argument over the Gaelic language and this idea of should. 
Irish be put on the same, mm. given the same valuation as English as a language, right? Like in Ireland. Mm -hmm. So should they have it on all of the signs? Should they be teaching it in schools? Blah, 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 all those kind of things. And there was a big disconnect mm -hmm. between the DUP who didn't really want it and Sinn Féin really did. So basically they've now managed to come to a sort of agreement around this where they are going to start putting Gaelic on par with the English language in schools. They're also going to be um, talking about things like dual signs and stuff. But this all kind of comes as one side of a negotiation that is being had with the DUP where basically the DUP is also guaranteeing the survival of English and English culture within Northern Ireland whilst still allowing mm. Irish culture to develop within that as well. So this has been a whole argument going on. Blah, and blah, to blah. be anyway, fair Sinn to Sinn Féin, to back that's the all they were asking for in initially is they weren't asking the DUP to like get rid of English from no, everywhere. They just wanted they were asking for parity. Yeah, exactly. They wanted yeah, parity. So, yeah. And DUP yeah, weren't about that. Yeah. But actually, the DUP didn't like it, not because they didn't want to give it parity, I think, although maybe not, but I think more because they feared that in giving, you know, thin end of the, thin end of the wedge thing again, like mm. if you allow them that, mm. then how long until they're just island <laughs> again, which the unionists <laughs> obviously don't want. So I can see uh, from dear. their position why they might have thought that was, yeah, a sensible thing. But anyway, yeah, yeah the only the thing I really have to say is Stormont's back. Woo. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Not quite yet. And the DUP have ongoing. less MPs than, than, than the Sinn Féin and the side of the thing now don't they so I think they're still the the biggest party in the Irish Northern Irish government yeah legit but overall the yeah I don't think they have the a majority there, but the, the names for the two yeah. sides yeah. also another interesting thing yeah, I was legit. reading which uh, is that they're dividing up ministerial positions between the parties so like okay. the DUP will have the education secretary but Sinn Féin might have so the coalition secretary and like yeah they, yeah, they, I mean that's the, they have to have a coalition unless they just wipe out like this is a power sharing government basically which is the reason it hasn't sat mm. for so long is because mm. neither one side could get a majority to run it themselves <laughs> and they refused to agree with each other so they just did nothing for three years but yeah it is a power sharing one, but I just think it's really interesting yeah. that they've actually divided it up like that by like kind of ministries rather than just being like we'll get all of our environmental people to work in the environment department they're like no Sinn Féin you take that we'll take this don't know if that's good or bad mm. but it's what's happening yeah, that's interesting. I personally thought that's how it should have been done when the Tories and the Lib Dems did the... Take a division each. The coalition. Yeah, rather mm. than having like a Lib Dem as a shadow to every yeah, Tory well, yeah. minister as well, it I think if it's like that every time, then yeah, then that's a problem, definitely. If it's like one party is in charge and the other party is the shadow, then yeah, I would prefer a division of Labour rather than that. But I still would rather there be an equal power sharing and equal standing in each ministry rather than like just being able to dictate one party being able to dictate what one ministry does to the rest of the to the other side of the coalition mm. and vice versa mm. yeah you get all sorts of deals going on and bargains and that yeah exactly uh, like that. yeah yeah alright so here you go Another one for you. Oh, yeah. Bring it Facebook on. Facebook refuses to restrict political ads. You know, we've been bringing you this yeah. story from its inception. It continues. Facebook's again. So, obviously, they've got the elections going on in America coming up. Um, and the Labour elections here coming soon. Labour elections. Yeah, but nobody around the world cares about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's still that political advertising that needs no, to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was being, you know, a bit tongue in cheek and that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Fair no, to enough. be fair, but, if you I look mean, at things Facebook... objectively right now, it's like Labour has, what, like a hundred and something seats in Parliament? Like, they actually don't think the. I don't think the rest of the world does care at all. Like, it's not like that. there will have been a time when the opposition leadership race might have been interesting to people outside of the UK, but not right now. Not right this second, yeah. Other than for obviously Labour supporters and people that want to see them do well and that. Um, so yeah, Facebook has decided not to limit how political ads can be targeted to specific groups of people. So you know on Facebook you can go there and target ads to actually 
if you look at it from a creator's point of view and you're doing the targeting, it's a crazy granularity that you can target the ads to. And if you go back two or three years ago, it was even crazier. When we first started setting up pages and just looking at it, like the granularity you could search to people to and the weird categories was mm -hmm. mind-blowing. Just yeah. actually looking at that, I was like, wow, if I had bad intentions, jeez. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, you know, the massive crazy stuff came out, Cambridge Analytica, the other elections. So there was a lot of pressure on Facebook and things have changed quite a lot in the categories. But still... If you're doing political ads on Facebook, you can target them at specific categories of people. Mm -hmm. Google have changed their stance to be like, if you're running political ads, you can't target it. You know, we removed that feature. They did that in November. So if you're running political ads on Google, they just go carte blanche to everybody. Um, also, Facebook has not said it will ban political ads outright, which is what Twitter did. They went even further than Google. Polit Twitter were just like, look, no political ads on Twitter. We're just going to do that and make things a hell of a lot simpler for us so nobody can blame us for anything that's going on over here. Um, Zuckerberg came out and said, like, politics is part of society's discourse and we don't want to stop that happening, which I kind of in part agree with him. That is kind of fair enough, but you could still have that happening. Like, Twitter hasn't banned politicians mm -hmm. and things like that. It's just paid adverts yeah. for politics. So you can still have a page and promote and talk to people and do that, but you just can't promote it with money to reach extra people. You just have to do it organically. And that could have been the same for Facebook, but they said they won't do that. And still, this is the crux of the whole thing. Facebook, not so they're not going to ban them outright. They're not going to limit the, you targeting people using their, their mass amounts of data that they've got on everyone. And still, they will not even fact check political adverts. They said they will not fact-check political adverts from candidates, blah, blah, blah. So I just don't get what Facebook's on at the moment. I don't understand what world they're moving in. It seems like the last two years hasn't happened to them. You know, do you remember when Zuckerberg was in Congress and he was there, or in the Senate or wherever it was, they were questioning him and he did the alien moves. And he was saying how we're going to listen to, you know, what you're saying. We don't need the rules placed on us because we're going to be in charge. We're going to totally change the way we're doing things and all that. And I, Is Zuckerberg I just don't just see that like happening the ultimate free market capitalist because that would I think Zuckerberg is the ultimate teenager in his dorm room that made a great website made billions and is still that same dude so I don't think he's changed no that much from that dude because I was going to say that if you're a, like a free market capitalist I can understand Facebook's position both in that you don't want to be interfering in like politics and like that you want to keep government small and make it all about individual decisions and people being able to be free and also trusting that people will be able to make the right decisions and deal with information in the right way and stuff is mm. would be like a vague ideological explanation as to why he's being so lax about this whole thing because he's like individual freedoms you know the free like the, the invisible hand of everything will solve things in the end we don't need us messing with the ecosystem of this when eventually it will be fine because people will be rational about doing it but then that doesn't seem to make sense and also doesn't philosophically make sense because we're way past the idea of rational actors in human understanding but and yeah i think that's twitter's than, approach twitter's yeah. approach seems like what you're talking about there where they're just you know they're willing to let the politicians do their thing but then they don't want to facilitate things that are well no so maybe that's not right it's not twitter's approach they won't let any adverts but say you were letting adverts facebook allowed political adverts but they did remove political adverts containing false information when they were flagged, which they actually actively will not do. If there's a political advert by a candidate and like it's got some blatant lie in it and you flag that with sources and evidence that shows that they still won't take that thing down. So that's kind so, yeah, of going beyond now. That's going nah, beyond that's what you're talking freedom, about. Nah, freedom of speech. Yeah, it is. A, it, no, 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 but I'm not okay, talking so freedom of speech. I'm talking channel. individual freedom just generally as a larger concept. Like if you 
start fact checking mm. things what you're you're not leaving people the freedom to individually be in charge of what information they intake and to be filtering it themselves you're now providing like a separate entity that is telling people what is true which obviously we might argue Agreed. that for a lot of things truth is fairly objective but i think if you're really free market like that in that sense then you don't mm. want it dictated by others you want every decision to be made by the individual coming across that information so i can still sort of see why they might not want to like put an official fact check on things because they think it's up to the individual to make the decision. My but then that doesn't mean you shouldn't necessarily be, be informing them so that they can make yeah, a Yeah, my decision. only return would be that I think that that's fair enough for, like I agree with you, many things are not easily testable, but there are many things that they, like even if they were to make a claim that was objectively untrue, that was easily provable, Facebook wouldn't take that down. So I think that's going beyond... Do you know what I mean? Like this area of, okay, there are many things that are grey areas that we can't actually say if it's true or not. So they can't take down everything. They can't police everything. Yeah. And then I'd add to that, that they're talking, this is specifically in the realm of political adverts. So I don't want Facebook policing what is true in life in general. Mm -hmm. But if they're going to be allowing adverts on the platform, again, I would say, look at a TV channel. If you're watching like Sky Sports or Channel 5 or whatever, any channel it is, Dave, and you see political adverts on it, and they're saying blatantly untrue stuff on the advert. You know what I mean? I would expect never to see those adverts on that channel again after that one time from a backlash. Like I wouldn't expect them to keep running the advert if people had presented to the channel being like, yo, this is totally fake, this political advert that you're running. And here's... It comes down to the philosophy yeah. of the channel, though, doesn't it? I guess what, what we're saying in that, like, if the channel... You're kind of endorsing thinking, it to me that, at that point. It's, yeah, it's either our job or not our job, yeah. So if they're like, it's not our job, it's their job, we're just doing this to make money and mm. to survive and to continue mm. being a channel, then you might expect them to... Might expect questionable evidence to appear on their channel. But yeah, okay. if they're actually sat down and being like, no, we are going to, like, take a stance, then... Then exactly, exactly. So yeah. what you've given there is, I would say then, like the 4chan style, which is that, it, okay, maybe not exactly then, but like the 5chan and people like that, where it's like, we don't police it at all. So we don't police it at all. That's fair enough. But Facebook have actually done what you've just said right at the end, where they're taking a stance on this, because they do police Facebook for fake news and stuff like that. They do take down fake vaccine cures and flat, they do police it for fake stuff. Just not when it's paid. They've actually taken a stance. No, just not when it's political. Okay. So even like if you make a if you make a paid advert as just a person that's got fake stuff, bang, it will get taken down. But if a politician does it, they cannot their policy is not so they're taking a stance that they're allowing politicians to lie. They're taking that freedom, active stance. Yeah. They're saying political yeah, freedom is more important yeah. than truth. Yeah. It's not that they don't police other things and they're not police. They actively police other things, but they're re retracting the policing. Yeah. So they're still saying truth is very important, yeah. but they're just saying, yeah, yeah. that policy yeah. supersedes that when the decision is made. <laughs> we you don't want to get festival, involved, basically. Yeah. You come into the festival, uh, on, 2020, 2022, I, I think it is. You come in. Have you seen the post going around on Facebook um, being like, the bell's tolled on DR or like when we won the war or something like that. Please, if you're a pa uh, a patriot, like find a local church or whatever and organise a bell ringing ceremony on the day of Brexit. Like no that's going way. around. People are trying to organise that everywhere. And I'm sure that will happen in many places. Do you know places. who's trying to bells arrange that? Is it Martin Green? No, it's, it's, the, um, it's the Leave campaign or one of the Leave campaigns, like one of the ones that was involved. That yeah, might be Martin ads. Green to be fair. Okay. Um, okay. But basically, yeah, I'm not, I can't actually figure out exactly who he is now, but he is putting on the Festival of Brexit. He's the newly appointed okay. boss of the £120 million nationwide celebration planned for 2022. 2022. Oh, <laughs> true. The government's putting on, aren't they? They're, they're paying for this and he's in charge. 
I think they're paying for it. Sorry? Ask that question again, sorry. I missed it. I think the government the are paying for it, aren't they? And this think, dude's yeah. in charge. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah it was sure. originally tabled by Theresa May in 2018, yeah, and then Boris Johnson gave it the go-ahead last year. So, yeah, this is... Um, this guy was formerly in charge of the Olympic ceremony and Hull's UK City of Culture Award, where they had all those cool events going on around Hull. So he's got... He's got a, okay. He, he might put on a good event, basically. But, see, so you haven't asked my question. Are you going? <laughs> Uh, no. Sorry to, sorry to anybody out there that was holding their breath, mm -hmm. hoping to meet up down there. Jack might be down there <laughs> celebrating Brexit. Apparently it's, but, it's yeah, nationwide. I don't think I don't it's know. something to celebrate. It won't just be London. It'll be like everywhere. It might even be in Cambridge and I doubt there'll be what one in mean, Cambridge be to everywhere. be fair. But yeah, yeah, it could, it be, within could you, be nationwide. The festival of Brexit. Yeah. yeah, well, no, I'm not going to be going down. I don't think it's something to celebrate personally, but to people that campaign for it and think it's a great thing, go have your fun. I'm not going to begrudge you I'm not gonna mm -hmm. <laughs> there yeah, is a part of me that yeah. was thinking actually that maybe maybe we should go down and try and understand this try and understand the positivity positivity around this whole situation that comes from the other side because there must be reasons for it yeah, that, that might be comprehend. nice and I think if you actually got yeah. there and were a part of it you might we might really be able to appreciate what it is that the people who did want to leave the European Union are celebrating okay, by the fact I that hope, we have I hope that the festival for Brexit <clears throat> I hope what they're doing is you're going down there and it's like, you know, one of them kind of city festival parties where like all the different nations is down there and you've got like the food from here and all yeah, that yeah, and like yeah. it's all the different places. And if there is a celebration of Brexit and all the nations we can now embrace and the Commonwealth nations and all of the people around the world, if it's that kind of celebration where it's like we're freed from the shackles and now everyone we can reach out to, that would be actually something that I would be totally surprised by. And I, I think that would be dope. I'd be there. But I think it's going to be more like fun fairs and a celebration of England. Yeah, the celebration of British. That's yeah, not how British, I see... I that's not the positive of Brexit. There may be our positives to Brexit, but it's the way we can now expand to further... And that's what many Brexiters want. And uh, they agree with me on that. So, like, you know... Mm. And national, I think, I think national cool independence angle. is a big thing that a lot of people want. Like, I think there would be a lot of people who would be celebrating the the kind of Best of Britain festival. Yeah, but we're independent, man. Come on. It's not like it's not like Scotland becoming independent, where they're not. You know, we're part of the EU, which is a conglomeration of nations. Many people look at it as the USA, but it's not like we're one nation. We're still an independent nation. Yeah, especially I don't mean independence in terms of, like legal and regulation and trade and stuff like that where I totally agree with you I mean like I don't know I mean I don't really get it obviously I'm not a leaver myself but I think it's kind of more of a like a kind of cultural and identity independence like we are now Britain again rather than being Europe and we can start to like kind of dictate our own British future rather than having it like vaguely tied to what the European future is even if I'm not talking about actual like forcing of power or anything mm. I think People mm. like the idea of Britain now being British and not European. No, yeah, I can buy that. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people do, actually, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we should go down to this thing and, and maybe it would be a nice, like, way to move on from how Brexit's felt to yeah. how it does feel. Because there is... I'll tell you one thing, coming from Tup's perspective, I've made a pledge to really bring Brexit up on the show as little as possible as actual topics, because I'm done with it. Well, did you hear about... You know, I just want things to go through. You know about the Boris thing, right? About how he wants people to stop using the word Brexit. Yeah, yeah, that was a memo with yeah. number 10, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're not the only one with that idea, mate. Don't worry. The Conservatives are also trying to say Brexit less. Yeah, and I think, you know what? All these things happen in the background. What we've got to do is really hold them to account and make sure that they don't do anything really rubbish in the negotiations and deals. But 
We can't. Yeah, yeah, one honestly, thing I will say like, like, I don't want to focus on Brexit. Account. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's very true. Mm-hmm. So, but no, you're absolutely right. We need actually. to be. But then the problem is we need to yeah. actually be like addressing all these other issues. Yeah. Like you say, like Brexit mm. is something that, yes, especially at this point now, needs something has to be arranged and dealt with. Like it's clearly going to happen. We need to arrange how it's going to happen. But really, at the end of the day, it's about the knock-on effects that Brexit will have for all the other things that we need to be dealing with, right? It's about how it will affect our NHS, how it will affect our education, how it will affect trade and infrastructure and, you know, all these yeah, other things yeah. like that. Those yeah. are the more interesting issues that need to be dealt with within this country, really. Agreed. Agreed. And fine, maybe the only way to talk about them is through the lens of how they'll be affected by Brexit. But you're right, one way or another, those mm. need to be the issues we're addressing. Yeah, yeah. And Brexit has like consumed all too much of everyone's attentions for these years. I think obviously because it's crazy important, that's totally fair enough and valid. But also we are maybe losing some of the conversations that need to be had on other things Absolutely. that need to be had. Absolutely. So, yeah, big ups. Anyway, it was a great show. It's run a little bit over time this week, but thank you for joining us again. You can check out our stuff on YouTube forward slash Totally Unpaired Politics and the same at all uh, podcast places iTunes SoundCloud all them kind of things just type in totally um, yeah we'll politics. be back next You'll find week. us we have content yeah yeah we have if you have coin we have content uh, yeah and also yeah thanks thanks for checking out Tech Week yeah Tech Week was amazing I hope you enjoyed that you don't even need <laughs> coin but if you do have coin yeah that was dope but if you do have coin <laughs> patreon.com forward slash TUP if you have coin if you know what we're we talking about when we're talking about Tech Week it's because we've lo- all of uh, last yeah. week all of the week that's just gone we've been putting stuff out all about tech we've had to talk about cybersecurity, stuff about space stuff about green energy did a nice overviewing thing go check it out there's loads of really good content on there you find that in all the podcast places mm. yeah we'll be back next week bye bye Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.